the way we have lived our lives is not in alignment with our natural neurosyncing. And so how we've lived is we've pushed full tilt five plus days a week. We're burned out on the weekend. We then drink too much. We react to the week before. We drink too much. We like oversleep. We don't spend time with our family. That weekend is not set up to help us have the best week moving forward. This is The Playbook. Hey, hey, this is Dave Meltzer live at the Wynn in the lobby of Las Vegas at the Blue Wire Studios. And I just have to tell you again, it is the greatest studio that I've ever been in and been a part of. And I'm so blessed to be here at the Wynn with Blue Wire. Thank you so much. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook. Talking about my favorite topic today is my friend Joe Sanok. He wrote a book called Thursday is the New Friday. And your book has to deal really with our utilization of time. Uh, Joe, welcome to The Playbook. But I got to start out like this. Most people, number one, don't realize that they get 24 hours a day of activity. That's the only gift you're given. And if you understand that, then that 24 hours now becomes a matter of how efficient, effective, and statistically successful is it aligned with synergistic or supplementary to what I want. And you've done just such an eloquent job of explaining one of the different ways in which we can get much more out of the 24 hours activity. When I say much more, I utilize a gauge or a kaleidoscope. I call it the Meltzer kaleidoscope of how productive are you, how much value are you providing in the 24 hours? How accessible are you during those 24 hours? Meaning accessible to the people that are most important to you. And how are you accessing what you want? So there's a duality. And then finally, how gracious are you with the time? Meaning how much light, love, and lessons are you getting out of those 24 hours? And you address all of these uh, different areas that I talk about in different words and different phrases, and I even believe in a different philosophy, but there is all, there's billions of people on earth. Billions of people can change their lives by making Thursday their new Friday and get so much more out of what they're doing today without changing things very much in their life. What was the impetus for you to change the entire American work week created by Ford off an arbitrary and capricious you know, we need to sell more cars, so let's give people a weekend. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show. Uh, you know, when we think about where we're at, I think the average person doesn't even take the intention you just articulated. They, they don't go through, how do I have impact on my family? How do I have impact on my business? How do I have impact on my own daily habits? And so much of that is just inherited through what the industrialists gave us that you referenced, you know, the 40-hour work week. It was made up in 1923 by Henry Ford. We just bought into it. So I was right. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, uh, you've done your research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and you know, even before that, the Babylonians they just handed us the seven-day week. That was completely made up. There's nothing in nature that tells us seven days. It, it's they looked up and they saw the sun, the moon, Earth, Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Jupiter, and they said seven days. You know, the the Romans had a ten-day week. The Egyptians had an eight-day week. I think they came up with seven days because it was like they did so much. For six straight days and they finally reached a point of exhaustion yeah <laughs> and so they said all right we'll give ourselves one day off we'll call this a week yeah we'll call this a week <laughs> exactly but it's completely arbitrary we could have 73 weeks that are five days a week uh, and so even if we just start with the things that we have inherited 
we haven't taken the time to say, do we want to inherit these things? Do we want to move forward uh, in different ways than how we've inherited it? And the pandemic has really pointed out that a lot of what we held dear or thought was solid actually is pretty movable. It, we can change it. We can do different work weeks. Uh, and so to your question about how I got here, you know, sometimes in life we have stacking that happens where your career takes a natural trajectory. And sometimes there's a returning home. And I think about back in my freshman orientation at college. Where'd you go to college? At Western Michigan University. Nice. So I'm sitting in the Lee the Honors. Chippewa? Go ahead. Is it Chippewax? Uh, no, that's CMU. That's uh, we're the Broncos. The Broncos. Okay. The Broncos. Yeah, there's a big fight there. With, with the, so, uh, so I'm sitting there in orientation, and this advisor says to me uh, in this small group of people, okay, we can make your schedule for the fall. And, and I raised my hand right away and said, do I have to take classes on Friday? And she said, no, this is college. Do whatever you want. So throughout all of my undergrad and grad school, I never had a class on Friday except for one class that was mandatory on a Friday. And even my first job out of grad school, I negotiated a four-day work week. So for me, this was what I thought you could do. Like there, I didn't see that as a rule or a restraint. But then as I entered the workforce, I actually realized, you know what? Like the way that I'm living my life, now doing 40 hours plus and you know, having side gigs, just didn't align with this kind of truth that I had experienced early in my career. So in 2015, when I left my full-time job and went on my own with entrepreneurship and starting a counseling practice, I went back to that and said, I'm going to do a four-day work week and just test it, see if it works. And it, every month was a better month than the month before because of doing that four-day work week. I love that. And, you know, for me, I utilize some of the same philosophies and perspectives, uh, but as you blessed to be first a salesperson, what I call an entrepreneur, uh, which gave much more freedom to dictate the productivity, accessibility, and gratitude to understand that, wait a something, there's something arbitrary and capricious about five-day work week and 40 hours, right? Right, And this only is causing resistance, understanding the universality of limitlessness, infinity of wanting to live in the world of more than enough. Um, but you just gave me a huge epiphany. Mm. Uh, Love that. Is, I, I've always said, well, you know, I have activity I get paid for, I don't get paid for, the, you know, 50 six days, eight days of productivity every day, seven days a week. Well, I, you know, you said that, you know, it could be five days at 73 uh, weeks and it would come up with the same amount of days, right? I did the math real quick. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, therefore, why don't I teach people an everyday methodology, right? I have these new day resolutions, you know, it's truly, especially because of the pandemic and remote working and more entrepreneurship and, of course, a big trend for entrepreneurs where they make Dave Meltzer and Gary Vee heroes now, which is beautiful for us, Joe. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, you know, can we, even if we're working within the constraints of the corporate world that can re-engineer a four-day week to get more productivity, because you have to have these arbitrary and capricious, uh, you know, different distinguishments in a corporate world because there is an office still or remote working of, of a responsibility, but is it possible to blend in this idea of infinity or limitlessness with your productivity and time, even if we have a construct of four days a week compared to five, is there some nuance of just being productive, accessible, and gracious with your time? Absolutely. So I think the big shift that we're seeing right now is leaving that industrialist era. The industrialist taught us that we're all part of an assembly line, the workers we have are just cogs in a machine. You plug them in, they're productive. Um, we no longer think that way. I don't look at my staff and say they're just, their only function is how they serve me in my business. No, they're, they're nuanced. We, we value diversity. We value all these other things outside of work. 
we have left the industrialist era. And so this new era is saying there isn't just one way. Instead of it being this prescriptive model, it's more of a menu model where we're saying, okay, we're gonna try these things, we're gonna test these things within our industry and see what works. And if it doesn't work, we're gonna adjust, we're gonna shift, we're gonna you know, apply it differently. And so we see companies saying, we're gonna do a one quarter test of a four day work week with this team. This other team, we're gonna give them a flexible schedule. This other team, we're gonna you know, do the old traditional way. And then we're gonna compare the numbers. We're gonna look at it and say, what works for these teams? And not just the actual KPIs, but from a qualitative standpoint, I got to go to my son's baseball game for the first time. I got to go you know, on a date for the first time in the evening with my wife. And I'm going to stay at this company longer because of that flexibility. So they're taking the qualitative and the quantitative and bringing it together and then saying for our particular industry, what's the menu that works for us? So it may be that you take Wednesdays off. It may be that you have a half day on a Thursday and a Friday. It may be that, you know, you do it seven days a week, but you do six hour days. So the big shift is that we don't have a prescriptive model anymore for businesses that works for everybody. Yeah. And technology has played such an important role in giving the flexibility of what I call life stage corporate management that you know people are in different stages of their life and you know because we have accessibility through technology that the majority of the jobs which used to require you to be there at a assembly line uh, or in an office or you know being of service at a certain time uh, now that we're 24 7 that you know the line the subtitle of this book to me is much more applicable to the subject matter than, you know, obviously in the corporate world, Thursdays and New Friday, is how to work fewer hours, make more money, and spend time doing what you want. So if you are like me and say, ah, I'm not really a four-day believer, sure. but I tell you what, I am a believer in your book and where I think everyone should read this, regardless if you agree with me or Joe or some other philosophy of how you should use your work week, quote-unquote, is... Everyone should look at how to work fewer hours, <laughs> make more money, and spend time doing what you want. What though, you know, I talk about coherence, remembering what to do and doing it. I find that, you know, these are great things like making more money, helping more people and having more fun. But people, number one, don't know where to start. And two, they don't know what they want. Yeah. For you, what are some of the tools that you or you, skill sets that you uh, uh, utilize in order to get people to work fewer hours and to spend more time doing what they want and obviously to make more money. Yeah. One of the best exercises people can do, no matter where they are, they could be in corporate America, have no autonomy of their schedule, is to think about the coming weekend and to say, what's one thing I can add? and What's one thing I can remove? So what do I mean? So to do some tests around the weekend and say, there might be some things that for you hold weight that you don't realize you value more than other things. So there might be a novel that's been on your nightstand for months. It has no business implications. It's just something you've wanted to read. Maybe a friend recommended it, but you haven't taken the time to give yourself permission to read it. So even to say to your family, you know what, on Saturday morning for an hour and a half, I want to drink my green tea and go read this book, you know, in a room and just not have the kids bother me. You know, so you, you know, get your partner on board, you get your kids on board, and you just test it out. So I'm going to add that in this weekend. And maybe you find, holy cow, like that lit me up in a way that I didn't expect. And then we're going to remove something. So it could be snow removal. It could be that, you know, getting groceries delivered to you. We're not going to go out for coffee with a toxic friend that you always feel like trash when you're done talking to them. And you're like, I can't believe I even wasted my Saturday talking to that person. You're allowed to not go out for coffee with toxic friends. And so you remove one thing 
to really start to test in yourself, what are the amplifiers for myself? So for example, I used to love, I live in Michigan, I swear we have snow nine months a year. I used to love snow blowing because, you know, I'm going up and down the driveway, kind of a mindful activity. I've realized I hate it now. I just <laughs> hate it so much. So this year I hired it out. Whenever we get more than an inch and a half of snow, a guy comes and he just plows my driveway. Best $35 I spend. Someone else might find that they enjoy that. So starting to test what's one thing I'm gonna add in and one thing I'm gonna remove, then starts to help you understand your own menu and it gives you a taste of living the life that you could live. And when you do that, then it becomes more normal to read that book for yourself on a Saturday morning and take that time to do something fun instead of blowing snow. And then it starts to become addictive into the work week. And you start asking yourself those same questions where you say, why am I working till 6 p.m. on a Friday when my kids have a play or I could be going out to eat with my friends or I could hang out with my partner? Or exercise. Or exercise. Or all these things that we personally know are good for ourselves outside of the work world. So then it starts to creep in where you become healthier, more driven, getting better and bigger things done because you're allowing your brain to actually use the neuroscience to be more creative and productive. I love it. And one of the other nuances today in the great resignation and the romanticization of being an entrepreneur and you've been a lifetime entrepreneur like myself is I think, you know, the pendulum swinging uh, because of technology, because of the shift in the paradigm and perspective that companies have, uh, there's huge opportunity as entrepreneurs. Be, way more, I mean, if I had the choice today, I would choose to be an entrepreneur over an entrepreneur because there's so much freedom, flexibility. You still get the lottery ticket and a lot of opportunities uh, are out there where you get better lottery tickets in equity, meaning, than you do starting your own company. Absolutely. Like, you still can get almost the same upside even. I mean, it's ridiculous, the advantages. I'd love for you... Uh, to give me your take on entrepreneurship versus entrepreneurship. Yeah, I think there's people that are drawn to each for different reasons. For entrepreneurs, for them to be innovative within a company, the hiring environment that we're in right now is everybody's looking at how do we retain top talent. Uh, and if you're different, if you're looking at innovative solutions, if you're beta testing different ways to do things and then reporting that out to the C-suite folks, you're going to stand out in a different way and say, I was able to do these experiments that saved all this money, increased satisfaction, whatever the outcomes end up being. So as an entrepreneur, oftentimes you have that safety and security while also having the upside that you speak of. Uh, but I think that also for entrepreneurs to be able to say, well, how do I think like an entrepreneur as well? Um, both sides have their value and we need both sides. But I think that what we wanna look at is how are we intentional in, as we enter into our work schedule and our life schedule, and then you use that neuroscience to actually help us get to the level that we wanna get to. And, you know, reading through their book, there's so many great nuggets. Is there one big takeaway uh, that you would like to share with people so that they understand the power and depth of your book, Thursday is the New Friday? I would say the biggest reveal from the research, the science, uh, what's emerging is the way we have lived our lives is not in alignment with our natural neurosyncing. And so how we've lived is we've pushed full tilt five plus days a week. We're burned out on the weekend. We then drink too much. We react to the week before. We drink too much. We like oversleep. We don't spend time with our family. That weekend is not set up to help us have the best week moving forward. And so if we flip that and say slowing down is the key to having that most productive and creative week. So that could be 
taking three days off. That could be working fewer hours. I know that you and I have different ways we do it, and that's okay. That's what a post-industrialist world is. That and your did. book applies to all those people, so I don't want yeah. anyone to be turned off if they don't believe in a four-day work week. Yeah. It has really nothing to do with the philosophy, strategies, and disciplines and the value that you can get out of this book. Yeah, there's very practical exercises for you to say, what's the lens that I view that I can apply this to? But, but that idea of having our weekends or our time off be in reaction to what just happened versus in preparation for what's about to happen, that slowing down first and then saying, now how do I go kill it? That's what the research unequivocally is showing us is best for our brains and for our creativity. I love that people like you are looking at the neuroscience behind it because I break down things as ease and disease. And you know there's actually a biochemical reward and punishment that we receive when we're doing the right things or, or the best things or the worst things for us, good habits or bad habits, which aggregate without our attention. Uh, and cortisol, through what has been created through the Industrial Revolution and our socioeconomic system, we create more cortisol than anything, which puts us at disease. Now, all the things and methodologies that I have uh, picked up from your book and utilized myself, they create something else called a dose, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. Talk about productivity, accessibility, and gratitude that our own brains have the ability to secrete biochemical reactions to reward us or punish us, and we've been punishing ourselves far too long. Are there any, last question, uh, other things you know, in the biochemistry, in the emotional, things that the common person may have not ever discovered or thought about that you have found, like I have in the cortisol and dose uh, example, are there some things that you've learned? Yeah, I think the, the best story that actually reveals the research is the tortoise and the hare. I talk about it in the book. Our entire Protestant work ethic has been the hare of you just, or I'm sorry, the tortoise. You just plugging away, slow and steady wins the race. But in reality, if we think about it, the hare went full tilt, took a nap, listened to his body, said, I'm tired, and then he didn't wake up on time to finish the race. If he had just set an alarm clock, he would have won the freaking race. Nice. <laughs> so if we actually look at that, that's what the brain re research is showing us, is that we constantly are being bombarded with stress, with all sorts of things in our world, of, of all the shoulds that we think of. We go on social media, feel bad about ourselves, and it's relentless. And that's where figuring out whether it's micro breaks within a day or it's you know, macro breaks or taking longer weekends, that the research is showing us that even a one-minute break every 20 minutes where you just stand up and move around can totally reset your brain. And so finding those ways to be the hare, to run full tilt, get things done, take that nap when you need it, but set the alarm, you're going to win faster and you're going to align with your brain better. You got it right. That's the title of his next book, Be the Hare, and have a Bugs Bunny picture or something on there. That's amazing. Joe Sanak, thank you so much for writing the book, The Thursday is the New Friday, helping everybody with truly a life-changing aspect of working fewer hours, making more money, and doing what you want with your time. I can't think of basically better ways to live your life. Thank you for joining me, 